Matthew 26, verse 30 through 35. When they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Then Jesus said to them, You all fall away because of me this night. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I am raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. Peter answered him, Though they all fall away because of you, I will never fall away. Jesus said to him, Truly I tell you, this very night before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. Peter said to him, Even if I must die with you, I will not deny you. And all the disciples said the same. Heavenly Father, Lord, we look to you uh, in this hour, and we ask, O Lord, that you would teach us, that you would guide us, that you would lead us, that you would uh, do your work, O Lord, that work that only you can do. Uh, Change our hearts, O Father. Uh, Make us like our Lord and Savior Jesus, uh, we pray in his precious name. Amen. When we read the text that we've come to, um, there's somewhat of a danger to lose sight of the context of this passage. There are so many things going on this night that as we read along in the gospel, it's uh, easy to uh, forget that this is all taking place on the same evening. Uh, it's all taking place most, for the most part in the upper room. And even as we continue to read, next week's uh, passage uh, takes place on the same evening. Uh, we've seen this has been a very eventful evening, hasn't it? Um, last week we looked at the institution of the Lord's Supper. That took place. And if we might think of the Gospel of John, if you're familiar with it, uh, the foot washing that Jesus does, that example of servant leadership that He, that he does, t- takes place on this evening. Uh, the instruction that we get in chapters 14, 15, and 16 of John all take place on this evening. And here we are, we're, uh, we have yet another story taking place on this evening. And when we come to verse 30, we see that uh, when they had sung a hymn, uh, the, uh, uh, the hymn that they probably uh, sang most likely, I think in all probability that they sang, at least the last one, was Psalm 118. Uh, that is typically what would be uh, sang at the conclusion of the Passover Uh, The conclusion of the meal, Psalms, really more specifically, Psalms 115 through 118. So it's in all likelihood, Jesus sang Psalm 118 as uh, uh, they left that upper room. Uh, And that's uh, significant. You'll recall a few weeks ago when we looked at Psalm 118, that's significant. That would have been the last song that Jesus sang during His his earthly uh, ministry. We are told that they sang a hymn and then they went out to the Mount of Olives. Um, They go off to the eastern side of Jerusalem. They cross what's known as the Kidron Valley. If you look at a map of of Jerusalem, you'll see that valley that's along the eastern side of the city. Uh, They cross that valley and they make their way to the Mount of Olives, which uh, uh, really uh, all they do is they come to the foot of the hill, if you will, to the foot of the mount to what's known as the Gethsemane Grove. And uh, that is significant because that will be the context of the passage we look at next week. Uh, Some have heard of the Garden of Gethsemane uh, that takes place uh, there. So they're they're leaving the upper room at this point. They're making their way to the Gethsemane Grove. And uh, verse 31, Jesus says to them, 
you will all fall away because of me this night. Uh, a startling claim, isn't it? Uh, imagine if we were all the disciples and uh, Jesus would say that to us. Listen, everyone, you're going to fall away tonight. Uh, that, that would be horrifying news, but it isn't the first horrifying news that they have received that night, is it? If we think back to verse 20, if you just look back to verse 20 with me, when it was evening, and that's just, just a little earlier in the evening, Jesus reclines at the table with the twelve. In verse 21, as they were eating, he said, Truly I say to you, one of you will betray me. What a startling claim that was. And we looked at that a few weeks ago, didn't we? Imagine sitting around the table, you know, you're enjoying the Passover with the Lord that you love and you're with your your, your brothers in the faith, and uh, Jesus drops that bomb. One of you will betray me tonight. And we're told that the disciples are shaken. Obviously, they're asking themselves, is it I? You know, we can only kind of imagine the butterflies that would grip our stomach uh, uh, far more than butterflies. Is it I? I mean, who's going to do such a thing? Who's going to do such a heartless and cold thing? Who's going to do it? It's not me, is it? And the dust of that has hardly even settled when Jesus drops uh, word in verse 31 that you're all going to fall away because of me uh, this night. They're going to fall away. Why are they going to fall away? Because of Jesus. It's a pretty rough evening, isn't it? Uh, pretty rough evening for the disciples. Uh, it's going to be far worse for Jesus, isn't it? Well, Jesus explains what's going to happen as he continues in verse 31. He says, for it is written. And when we see those words, for it is written, what is that telling us? That's telling us that Jesus is quoting Scripture. And at this point in time, what is Jesus quoting? He's quoting the Hebrew Bible, which is our Old Testament. Uh, he's quoting from the Old Testament. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. Uh, here Jesus is quoting from Zechariah chapter 13 and verse 7, and he's applying that verse uh, to uh, the, the event that is about to take place. He's applying that uh, verse uh, to what Jesus is about to undergo. And I think it would be profitable for us if we just took a minute, stuck our bulletins in Matthew 26. And if you turn to the left, uh, uh, after, uh, after uh, Matthew, you'll come to Malachi. Malachi is just a short little work of only four chapters. And then you'll come to Zechariah. Um, go to Zechariah 13. It's on page 799 if you're using the church's Bible. And look at verse 7. Zechariah 13 and verse 7. We'll just pause a minute while those pages are turning. Zechariah 13, verse 7. What do we read there? Awake, O sword, against my shepherd, against the man who stands next to me, declares the Lord of hosts. Well, let's, let's study that passage for a moment. Uh, let's ask a few questions of it. Who's speaking here? Uh, it's not a hard question, is it? The Lord of hosts is speaking, right? Uh, Almighty God is speaking in this particular text. What is he saying? He's saying, awake. Uh, awake who? Awake, O sword. 
What is Almighty God doing? He's summoning the sword, isn't he? Okay. Who is he summoning the sword against? My shepherd, against the man who stands next to me. Uh, If you have a King James translation out, it's uh, against my fellow. Uh, If you have a New American Standard, uh, it's against my associate. Uh, Maybe someone has an NIV this morning. I think that if I remember right, the NIV uh, says against the one who is close to me. Uh, I share this with you to give you kind of the range of meaning of the Hebrew word that's being used in this text. Uh, This shepherd is one who is close to Almighty God. This shepherd is one who is an associate of Almighty God. He is the one who stands close to Almighty God. Actually, literally, the Hebrew word means relative. He is a relative of Almighty God. Who could this shepherd be? We all know the answer, don't we? He is the Son of God. He is the shepherd, the great shepherd. He is the shepherd with a capital S. It is none other than Jesus Christ. Now, do you feel the weight of this? Who is speaking? Almighty God is speaking. What is he doing? He's summoning the sword. Against who? Against Jesus. Strike the sheep, and the sheep will be scattered. This is an incredibly traumatic event that is being prophesied some 500 years earlier. Now, when we turn back to Matthew 26, we see that Jesus has full knowledge of this. He applies that text to this evening. He says in verse 31, You will all fall away because of me this night, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd. Who will strike the shepherd? Almighty God will strike the shepherd. Who is the shepherd? Jesus. Jesus understands that the Father is about to strike him. And when the Father strikes him, the sheep will be scattered. How did the disciples respond to this? Verse 33. Peter answered him, Though they all fall away because of you, I will never fall away. Though they all fall away because of you, I will never fall away. Let's look at that for a few minutes. There's there's a lot of lessons in that response. Is that a good response? Well, there's there's a sense where it's a good response. There's a sense. Peter here is not speaking out of hypocrisy. He's not speaking... Uh, words that he doesn't intend to follow through on. He loves Jesus. The thought of this is, is just an abomination to him. Uh, he, he, I'm sure he is speaking from the heart here. But in most other senses, this is not a good response. Because Peter is telling Jesus, no. No, Lord. That's not what's going to happen. And we get to know Peter a little bit in the Gospels, don't we? He kind of has a habit of doing that, doesn't he? We think back to Matthew 16, you know, where Jesus asks the disciples, who do the people say that I am? And they respond. They say, well, some some say you're John the Baptist. Some say you're Elijah. Some say you're Jeremiah. Some say you're one of the prophets who come from old. You can almost see Jesus, you know, kind of scratching his chin and say, okay, 
well, who do you say that I am? And then Peter makes that famous confession. You are the, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus responds and says, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my father who's in heaven. And then we are told that from that time on, Jesus began to tell them that he must go to Jerusalem. He must suffer on their, under the hands of the chief priests, the elders, the scribes, and the Pharisees. He must be crucified and on the third day be raised. And how does Peter respond to that initially? No. No, Lord. Uh, Peter has a habit of doing this. No, Lord. And even after the resurrection, as I pointed out last week, after the resurrection and after the infilling of, of the church with the Holy Spirit in the Pentecost, uh, we find Peter doing that again when Peter has his vision. God gives him a vision and uh, down from the uh, heavens in his vision comes this sheet with all these unclean animals on it. And, and the Lord says, rise, Peter, kill and eat. And what's Peter say? No. And if I might digress just for a minute, you know, some of the things that I shared last week in regards to the Lord's Supper, that I assure you, uh, if, the, if, the, if the disciples thought that Jesus was speaking literally of, uh, when he was speaking of the bread, if he was speaking that the bread literally was his body and that the blood literally was his physical blood, I am certain Peter would have said, no, Lord, no, because of Leviticus 17. But back to our text. Jesus says, you're all going to fall away because of me this night. Peter says, no. But notice that Jesus is also quoted from Scripture. He's also quoting from the Holy Scripture. He's also saying that the Word of God says that tonight you're going to fall away. And Peter still says no. So Peter is saying no to Jesus. He's also saying no to the Bible. He's saying no to the Word of God, which is really one and the same thing, isn't it? For Jesus is the eternal Word. I mean, we can't say no to Jesus and yes to the Bible. The words of God are the words of God. What else is Peter doing here? Notice how he, he responds. Peter says, no, Jesus, no scripture. Though they all fall away because of you, I will never fall away. What, what, what's Peter saying? You can almost see him looking around and saying, well, you know, uh, as I look around here, I kind of see some characters here that, uh, well, I can kind of see that guy falling away. I kind of see what you mean now that you bring it up, you know, and then maybe some of these other characters are going to fall away, but not me. It's not going to happen to me. Never going to happen to me. What's he doing? He's exalting himself above the rest, isn't he? We see it's a very proud statement, isn't it? And again, I say Peter really means this. Peter's not speaking out of hypocrisy here. He loves Jesus. He's saying the same thing the rest of us would be saying. But the problem is he's looking at his own strength. He's drawing on his own strength. Self-sufficiency is the enemy of our walk with God. And he's speaking and he's responding out of foolish self-sufficiency as he says these things. Jesus fully understands. What's he saying? Jesus says in verse 34, he says, truly, notice the word truly, and in the Greek it's amen. It's the word we get amen from. Truly, I tell you this very night before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. Uh-oh. Jesus is putting a time frame on this. 
He loosely put a time frame on it uh, in his first declaration, but here he's really putting a time frame on it. It's going to be this night. It's going to be before the rooster crows. He's also speaking to the extent of this denial. You, you say you're not going to deny me, Peter. You're going to deny me three times before the rooster crows. We might even say, you know, you're going to deny me three times before the alarm clock sounds off. How's Peter respond? Peter said to him, even if I must die with you, I will not deny you. And we, we read there that all the disciples said the same thing. Peter ups the ante. Oh, he's, he's determined in his own strength. He's determined that he will not do such a thing. Well, what's going on here? The disciples, Peter and the disciples, are responding in foolish self-sufficiency, aren't they? And what we have here is a textbook. I mean, it's the sure way uh, to a fall, isn't it? This is standard procedure for a fall. And perhaps already by now, uh, we're starting to see a little bit of ourselves in all of this, aren't we? How often do we say no to Jesus? How often do we say no to Scripture? Well, I realize that Jesus says this, and I realize that Scripture says this, but I'm going to be okay. I got this covered. What happens shortly after we say stuff like that? We don't really say it that blatantly, do we? We have ways of disguising this kind of thing, but what happens? We fall, don't we? Has anybody here ever been to the left of the mark or to the right of the mark? Every head should be bobbing up and down. This is the time where you go like this. <laughs> I'll go like this too. I'll lead the way. <laughs> it's kind of hard to do, isn't it? <laughs> We've all fallen off the mark, haven't we? This is the recipe for it. This is certainly the recipe for it. Now, my point this morning is not to emphasize human failure. I don't think I need to develop it any further. We got it, don't we? We're all too familiar with human failure, and we're all too familiar with the regret that ensues after human failure, and we're all too familiar with being in the gutter. What do we do about it? Well, what I want to emphasize really is the grace that meets us in the gutter. If you look at verse 32, you notice I skipped verse 32. If you look at verse 32, what does Jesus say? If we back up to verse 31, it has more force, I think, especially if we back up to the citation from Zechariah 13, 7. Jesus says, I'll strike the shepherd. That is, God will strike the shepherd. God will, Almighty, the Almighty Lord will strike Jesus, and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. Verse 32, but after I am raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. That's easy to miss. But what's going on there? Jesus is promising to be raised. He's promising to go to Galilee. He's promising to await his disciples. And what's so significant about Galilee? Let's read a couple verses from Matthew 4. It's been such a long time since we were back in Matthew 4. But I see you're all turning there. If you turn back to Matthew 4 to verse 12. 
This is the beginning of Jesus' ministry. He's already underwent the temptation in the wilderness. And in verse 12, uh, we're told that Jesus hears about John the Baptist being arrested, and he withdraws to where? To Galilee. And leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum by the sea, that is the Sea of Galilee, and in the territory of Zebulun and Naphtali, so that what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled, the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, the the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. The people dwelling in darkness have seen a great light. And for those dwelling in the region, the shadow of death on them, a light has dawned. And from that time, Jesus began to preach, saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. What's significant about Galilee? That's where this thing began, isn't it? It's really a wonderful place uh, to reunite. Because that's what Jesus is doing. Jesus knows that his group is going to deny him and that they're going to scatter. But he promises, after he is raised, to meet them in Galilee. For what purpose? It's to gather them. It's to restore them. How beautiful is that? I, I, I might put it this way. He knows us, and yet He still saves us. We like to be noticed. Most of us do. Some of us more than others. But one thing that we're very shy about is being known. And there's a good reason for that. There's a lot of ugly things in here, isn't there? There's a lot of ugly thoughts in there, isn't there? There's a lot of tendencies. We think things sometimes we can't even imagine we thought that. We think it and we think, how can I even think that? And we say things and we think, how could I have just said that? There's a lot of ugliness in there that we do everything we can to try to hide. Here's something very beautiful. Jesus knows it all, yet He still saves us. He knows you, and He still saves you. What a wonderful message to come from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Let's apply it a little bit further and we'll close. When we have fallen to the left or to the right, what should be our procedure? We see the procedure for falling. We got that, right? What's the procedure for getting back up? Let's snoop ahead uh, a little bit. If we go to chapter 8, we're going to kind of snoop at where we're headed. If you, if you go to chapter 28, Jesus is now resurrected. And if we look at verse 9, chapter 28, verse 9, Jesus meets a few of his disciples. He says, greetings. And they came up to him and took hold of his feet and worshiped him. And then in verse 10, Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. 
Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee and there they will see me. Jesus saying, do not be afraid. I think I can hear Peter saying, what? What do you mean don't be afraid? Do you realize what I did? You realize what I did? I denied him. I didn't just do it once. I did it three times. How can I go and see him? How can I even face him? We think of the disciples saying, you know, we scattered like cowards. How can we go see him? Think of what we did. And what's Jesus' word to us? Greetings. It's not that he doesn't care. It's not that it doesn't matter what we do. It's not that he hasn't been displeased by it. It's his grace. When we have fallen to the left and we have fallen to the right, this is the procedure. Hightail it to Jesus. Get to Galilee, we might say. And don't take me literally on that. Don't get on a plane and head to Galilee. And in fact, it's kind of dangerous over there these days. We don't need to go to Galilee. If we're a believer in Christ, the Holy Spirit dwells in our hearts. There's our Galilee. There's where we can start all over again. Back where it all began. Isn't that beautiful? And unless we understand this, we're going to live with worldly regret, which the Apostle Paul tells us produces death. Worldly regret produces death. But godly grief, yes, Peter denied Jesus three times. And yes, Peter had to repent of that. But yes, Jesus was restored. Yes, all of the disciples scattered under the threat that was coming. But they all repented. They all were restored. If we've fallen to the left or we've fallen to the right, hightail it to Galilee. Don't be afraid. And if we've never come to Jesus, if we've got to come to him, same, same. Go to Galilee. That's where it began. What did Jesus preach there when his ministry began? Repent and believe, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That's our work. That's always our work. Repent and believe. But the message we need to leave here with this morning is Jesus knows you, yet he still saves you. Heavenly Father, Oh, Lord, what do we say in response to such great news as this, the news of the gospel, that, Lord, you know us, and you know us so perfectly. Uh, yet, Lord, you, you are still more than willing to save us uh, for the joy that was put before you, O oh Lord. You went to Calvary's cross to save the likes of us. Oh, Father, we thank you. We praise you. Change our hearts by this truth, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.